So I bought different books like Healing Cancer from Within. And mind you, I had a positive outlook. I knew I was going to beat this. It wasn't going to be an issue for me. I wasn't going to blink an eye at it. But I'd literally sit in a chair, get chemo, and there'd be a dude dying next to me because he's like a stage four and he's got a port and it's a mess. But this is what happens, right? Because of the system. What's up, what's up? How y'all doing? Uh, I got my buddy Nathan Bishop to my side. Yo. And uh, it's been a long time coming, but I, I, me and Nathan, you know, do some business together in the real estate world. And every time we get together and we're chopping it up, I feel like this guy and you always have a story. You always have a story for something. <laughs> so, I lived a good time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to get you on here, uh, even though it's a little bit of a, a darker subject that I'm, I'm looking forward to chat with you. Um, but Nathan, thank you so much for coming here. And you can uh, share your story however you want to start as we discuss, and we'll just get to it. Cool. Well, appreciate it, David. Thanks for having me here. Of course. But uh, yeah, I know uh, the name says it all in your show, but uh, <laughs> I had an experience when I was, I guess, 11 years old. Um, my mother remarried when I was much younger, and she married uh, my stepfather. And, you know, we come from, we had a pretty wild background. My parents were pretty young. They still partied a lot and, you know, had a kind of an abusive relationship themselves. And you just kind of fast forward through the chaos and whatnot. You get to that point where, you know, I found out that my stepfather, my stepfather committed suicide. And it was a wild story just because everything leading up to it and the months prior to it were pretty, pretty outlandish just with like my parents fighting and the things that were going on. And, you know, and I had younger brothers and I kind of had to always kind of step in and like help try to break things up and just kind of raise my brothers at times. So it's pretty wild. But uh, the whole crazy thing is like, you know, you have times at the when you have tragedy in your life and you remember when it happens right so you have like specific moments it's so funny because I can almost picture certain times when the night it happened and the night the day I found out right so it's crazy because those are almost two pictures in my head they're just stuck there so I know we talked about this a little bit before but the night that it happened I remember it was late and we had uh, you know we had an older home and then down there at the the front door, it's funny, kind of little split doors with the window. So my mom opens it up, and she wasn't sure, and it was my stepdad. And there's a big, you know, motion light that's on, so you can see bright down on the driveway. So I see him, but I see the silhouette, and I see my mom there, and I got my littlest brother Garrett, which was his son, because it was my brother Casey, myself, my sister, and then and then Garrett, who's the youngest, who is you know with my mom and my stepdad, mm -hmm. and then. They're right there, so I have him, and it's late. My mom's talking. I have my dog as well, Zeus. You know, he's a badass. Of course. So, yeah, there's uh, Zeus. I was waiting when you are going to bring him up. Yeah, he's a cool dude. <laughs> but uh, no, so we're right there, and they're having this argument kind of back and forth. I'm just kind of hanging out because I don't know what's going to happen, and I just wanted to be there just to see what goes on. And he was like, look, I just want to take my son. Like, let me have my son tonight. And I was like, no, no, it's really late. You should just come back tomorrow. You know, I see you had a drink or two. Like, just let's, let's just call it a day. And they just went back and forth for probably 20, 30 minutes. And, and then finally he decided to walk away. And that was it. And my mom shuts the door and we go in. And, and the light's still very bright, right? So you have these door and you have the two windows here. And then we had more windows on the side. So you could kind of see. And then the hill went up like this because um, our house was built into the hillside a little bit. St. So Louis? St. Louis? Uh, St. Charles. Yeah, right, right outside St. Louis. Okay. And so I see him. He, I thought he was just going to leave, but he walks by. And then he walks up. And I'm like, where's he going? And well, I remember my house growing up really, really well. And we had this 
my room was on the far end there, and so where he was going was up on that side. And then there was the gutter, and the, the gutter runs down, and there was this big pipe that ran the water out, right? So it just kind of drained and didn't sit by the house. And while he goes and gets that, and he walks down, I just remember him walking with it and carrying it. I'm like, that's just so odd. What does he have that for? And so, you know, he leaves, he throws it in the back of his truck, and he drives away. And I don't know anything of it. I'm like, right, well, that was just odd. And I thought about following him, riding my bike, because you never know. I was like, hey, you know, I, I want to make sure everyone's okay. But, you know, I'm a kid, and even though I was a kid, I kind of had a crazy home life. So a lot of times I was a grown-up more than I was a kid, and then when I got to go out and play, I actually was a kid. So it was a different structure for me. But then I didn't go do anything. I just stayed home. We went to bed. And next day I go to school. And mind you, I'm in middle school. I'm in sixth grade, you know. And I'm in PE class, right? It's like mid-morning, and I'm like in PE class, and I'm excited because we're getting ready to play some dodgeball. So I'm, I'm super hyped because who doesn't love dodgeball? And uh, so as I was going through that, and we're getting ready to play, like we got teams picked. Next thing you know, I got loudspeaker. Nathan Bishop, please come to the front office. I'm like, great, what I do this time? <laughs> so I'm thinking, who knows? So I go there. My father's there, my real dad. I'm like, hey, dad, what are you doing? And he's like, well, come with me. And I, I get in the car, and my little brother's in there in the front seat, my other brother Casey. And my dad leans back and I'm just like, hey, what are we, you know, taking vacation? Where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah, I got a dodgeball game to take care of. Yeah, like I really was upset. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like when you get to play certain games in gym class, yeah. you don't really want to miss them. No. Uh, but so that goes on. And my dad just turns around and goes, I don't know how to say this really, Nathan, but he goes, your stepdad, Gary, he committed suicide. And I was like, that's insane. And I just kind of was like in shock. I'm like, really? And I didn't think anything of it. And what's funny is the story I told you prior of how I remember the night, that never came to me until years later. I had never thought about it. It just never crossed my mind, never was a memory I, I paid attention to. Wait, the memory of the, the, of the night, night right? I just, okay. It's like, it was weird. It's like my little brother, because he, my little brother Garrett, when Gary killed himself, my little brother Garrett was just in diapers, really. So he has a very short memory of his father. So then I was like his father, but I was his big brother, right? So... I spent a lot of time and did stuff with him. And then over the years, as things went on, years and years went by. And then literally that kind of came to me because my brother and I would talk and I always ask if he had memories. And then that just like he told me the night, like he tried to tell me of a few memories he had. And then I just thought about things and that that popped in, which is so strange. So I never knew about it until it was years later that that, that image was there. So like I said, my, my father tells me that he committed suicide. And I'm like, wow. So my mom at this time, I'm like, well, what do we do? He's like, well, I'm going to go home. You know, you need to go to your house and, you know, deal with your mother as well. So I go, oh, my mom's a hot, hot wreck, right? You know, she was always a hot mess anyways, but add this on top of it. And it's just Different definitely, story, yeah. yeah, it's a whole new story. So that goes down and, and it was just chaos. You know, at that point, then it's just like, my mom just fell apart. And then at the end, I'm a sixth, sixth grade man. And like, I had to get a job and pay bills and run the house. It was crazy. So I was like, because it just all fell apart for her. so And it was nuts. And it wasn't like it was an easy situation. Like, you know, his family kind of hated my mother. So it was all this pushing back all day long. Yeah. So And then it was just like, gosh. And I and then it goes down and it was wild because he told me. And then years later when I remember that, I'm like, wow, I remembered it happening. I, and I thought I was like, maybe I could have prevented it. Because I thought I did think about going after that and just following to see what's up. Because when they did the autopsy years later, I have a copy and I read through it. Well... He kind of was just drinking and smoking and, you know, whatnot. And, and he had everything hooked up for carbon monoxide in the car. And they kind of said that he passed out prior to actually dying. And then since he was already in the car and it was going, it just, it what happened. And so it was kind of like he attempted it, but, you know, people drank and do things and he passed out and then that happened. So it maybe could have been prevented. And so it's weird because maybe if I did and I saw that and I could have just 
Montana, you never know. I don't blame myself, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> you think of those things and it's kind of like, it, it, it's wild, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, cause that stood out when you first kind of tell me as a precursor of your story and what we're going to talk about. And you, you did bring that up in a sense that you thought about it, about following him and you didn't. So was was that something that weighed on you at all or just made you think? I mean, because what goes through your mind when you, because you immediately set up a Friday and I was thinking it was sure. going to come up anyway, that maybe it could have been prevented. Obviously, it's not anything near your responsibility yeah, yeah. like it's what he did but what does that do to your psyche when you are th thinking about that actually did come up pretty quickly you know it's that's a good question and it's weird because i i would almost say like i'm an anomaly because i didn't show a ton of emotion about it like because at the time i felt i needed to be more strong for like my brother my brothers because again it's like my mom had a small family and his family is massive back home like his parents they they you know got roads named after him all that stuff so again they were well-known family in the sense of those things and it was great. And, they're, you know, we're all still close now because even after it all happened, I worked hard to try to keep the bridge close because his grandmother was my little brother. You know, my stepdad's mother was my little brother's grandmother. And I was like, look, he should know his grandparents and whatnot, too. And, you know, so I didn't want to, like, throw that off. And my mom was like, no. And it was like, you know, it's like a game. You know, you use a kid as hostage and all. You know, it's just it's terrible because even when I was a kid, my parents got divorced when I was like four. And I remember so many crazy things that went on. And it's same same scenario. So it's crazy. You know, those 80, 90s years, we were always a lot yeah. of fun. But uh, but you had to immediately jump into the seat of kind of being the man of the house at that point? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, my parents were buying a house. At that time, my stepdad and my mom were buying a house. And the guy selling to it was just a creepazoid. So he'd come over and be weird towards my mom. So I'd have to get into it. So I was like, it was nuts because I did get a job. I'd go to school. And then I would literally go door to door and sell crap. That's what I did to make money. Because I was a young kid and I couldn't really do much. But I was able to work for this weird like candy store. So I was what able to. What the hell does that mean? Well, it's like, <laughs> I can't remember how I got the job. I saw something. I was like, I just need a job. So I got it. And, you know, I'd meet with a couple other people and they'd pick us up and we'd go to do these routes, right? That's just what it was. And I'd sell candy. It was almost like, you know, those little catalogs. But, oh, okay. and that's it, different. So I'd make money. So it was okay. So I was able to make a little bit of money there to help out at the house. And that's kind of what I do. I'd work, give my money to my mom and try to keep the lights on and do all that jazz. So where was your mom in regards to that? You said she became kind of a hot mess after handling it. Well, at that point, man, she just kind of lost it because like, you know, she just fell off the deep and she was already boozing all the time anyways. It's, I had a so she never recovered? No, I mean, she has, but it's taken forever. She recovered. It was just like, it all fell apart. They were fall They were at each other's throats. There was a lot of crazy backstory. They were getting divorced anyways. And then like, it was just nuts, right? And then that happened, so then she blamed herself, right? Mm. So you get guilt, and if people blame themselves and have guilt, then all these things go on. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist or whatever, but at the end of the day, like, I know how my mom was raised, and I know how things that went on with her, and I, I've been able to, at least for me, because I was stuck in all that chaos growing up, and I had to control a lot of it, right? And so, like, people say, oh, you can work so well in chaos. I'm like, well, I grew up in it. It's easy to deal with. A lot mm. of people just don't deal with it. They have a much easier life. I didn't come from that background, and so... You know, all that goes on, and I was able to move away finally for L.A. and do all the things I do, and I had to get away. It was hard for me because I put my life on hold for a couple of years after I graduated high school as well to, like, also take care of them and do stuff because I had built a small company and just a landscaping thing, and then I was able to help them that way. So, again, all that had built up, and I was like, dude, I just got to get away. But you jump back to when it all happened, and then his family, they were just at my mom. So I was like, gosh, this is terrible. Wait, 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 wait. let me slow down because when you – Say so they're at your mom, well, they're like blaming it on yeah, her? Yeah, they or blame what? her for everything, right? Okay. So they just put it all on her. And I'm like, it's terrible. So you already got guilt and you get all these people pointing a finger at you. And 
it's terrible. So what do you do? You know? And then I remember even like at the funeral, cause he has a lot of brothers and, and a sister too. So, um, my stepdad had big, you know, big family. So mm -hmm. his, his brothers and everybody. And mind you, like I said, I'm close with all of them now, like, and all that's history and whatnot, but they were always good with me. It wasn't like they were negative towards me or anything, but you know, I do remember the funeral when he got buried and it was a huge funeral. And then I remember all them hugging. I went over to try to say something. They kind of just pushed me away. And I'm like, okay, that's just how it is today, you know? And so mm -hmm. I, and things like that, they affect you. But I just realized, like, what can I do? You know, I got my mom and, like, my her brother, her sister, and, like, my my brothers and us, and we're all there. And that was really us and then his family. So it's crazy. We're, like, the outcast. Um, so if you're – if you're – so you're kind of – as soon as it happens, we already spoke on it. You had to take responsibility and kind of get a job and this and that and almost take care of your family, it seems like. Did you have any time to even think about what the hell just happened at 11 years old hearing about suicide? So it's crazy because I didn't – no, I didn't. That's a good question to look at it because I didn't really – I accepted it. I dealt with it. But the other thing is I didn't deal with it as much as I should have because obviously I had to take care of a lot that was put on my plate. But then I'd get out and get to do stuff with my friends and I was just a little wild. I'd get myself in a little too much trouble. But mm. the other thing is what how I reacted is because I internalized it differently and I dealt with it differently. I didn't really show emotion. I didn't accept the fact what I – you know, like you accept it, maybe you cry or you have a, a, a deal with it in a different way and it gets out. Right. right? External. Some exactly. people external, some people internal. So I didn't really do that. I just kind of like, all right, well, I got to be strong for everyone. So I'll just act like this. And that's what I did. And what happened for me is I got hives from it. So it created my body to have hives. Wow. So I had this like issue with it. And I was like, what is this? I woke up, I'm like, what's going on with me? And I found out I had hives from uh, immediate? it. Immediate? Like how, how, what was no, the timeline? No, it was like, it wasn't immediate. It was like. I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know the timeline when it happened. Right. I just remember I'm like, how do I have hives? And they were like, well, you just had this traumatic experience. Maybe maybe it was a yeah. month ago or whatever. And they're like, this is a you know reaction from it. You're 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 handling the stress differently than other people. So that had happened. And then you know, and then all of a sudden now I got to deal with all this stuff in my house. My mom and everything is going on. So it was just like I, I had a free for all. I do whatever I wanted. My parents. My mom was like, my dad was gone. He was there because they were divorced. He lived on the other side of town. I lived with my parents. My mother. And so, you know, I just got to do whatever I wanted, which is great. But I also had a moral compass so I could at least not get myself in too much trouble or at least do what needed to be done right. But yeah, man, I, I mean, for whole year, sixth grade, I was like, I just want to skip Mondays. Skip Mondays because I could because I didn't have to get up. No one would wake me up. So dealing with that at 11 years old, do you, you really have anyone older than you that was kind of giving you some direction in regards to that? Or no, man. I, I'm telling you, man, it was just kind of happened. Here you go. Deal with it. Funeral. Boom. Move on. So how do you how, how did you figure that out? Because I, I mean, a lot of people in your shoes might not even sack up and make those decisions. But what made you just decide to be strong and put it in? Because it's interesting to hear. That's interesting when you said the hives. You were just saying there's internal, external, and your your internal dealings with it came out. Sure. And yeah. I can in some way illustrates the importance of letting it out. So it. That's what I'm saying. You have to be able to deal with it and figure out how to let it go or, or have your peace with it is, I guess, the way to say it. Did you it. find peace with it? Yeah, I've always had peace with it. I never, like, had a grudge or whatever. I mean, look, Gary was a nice guy, and I had a lot of cool times with him, but I had a lot of crazy shit with him, too. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, I, you know, I can go either way. I mean, you know, he had a lot of good points. We had a lot of terrible points, you know? So it is what it is. And then, like, and then after all that went down, like, it was just crazy because, like, my mom had just stupid boyfriends. God, I didn't get in a fight with a... I was always fighting a grown man, like, <laughs> like once a up. weekend, man. Like, seriously, yeah, square it off, man. Seriously. Like, it was nuts. And so you're like, you know, they would get drunk and it would just be a mess. I'm like, dude, they're trying, my brothers are trying to sleep. Like, shut up. Or yeah. I'd come home from work and it would be late because I would work and I'd get home late and I got two drunk idiots to deal with and my brothers are locked up or whatever the case is, you know, and you're like, 
what the heck? So I'm like, they need to eat. And then I get this idiot that wants to start talking shit to me. I'm like, dude, get out of here, man. And then next thing you know, I got to deal with it, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So you just learn how to, you're like, I just deal with it. Do you feel like you buried a lot? No. To be honest with you, no. And why I can say this, because like I said, it came a point. I had a breaking point, right? So, I mean, I was doing all this so young and I was able to deal with it, figure it out, work around it and do whatever. And it got to a point where it was just like, I couldn't do it. I was like, dude. And the worst part is I had to leave my brothers, right? I didn't want to do that. My mom, I'm like, whatever. At the time, I'm like, you do whatever you want to do. And I had to move out. So like in eighth grade, after two years, I moved out. And then I moved in. My dad on this side of town, I had to go to a new school. But where I'm from, you know, we all kind of knew a lot of each other. And I played sports. Everyone knew me. Um, and so that was fine. But it was sad to leave my brothers because I was kind of like, I was moving forward in life. And I knew I was going to go do stuff and do whatever I needed to do. I didn't let anything hold me down. But I also needed to think that I needed to be there for them. Because after all that, I moved out. They were stuck with my mom. Now, it wasn't that far. I was always over there and whatnot. It wasn't a big deal. But then then it just got worse and worse and worse, you know, and just like worse and worse and worse with my mother. And then you're just like, dude, you can't do these things. You know, you're losing this house. Like, why didn't you tell me? We could have figured it out, right? She, so we lose the house I grew up in. They got to move. They moved to a whole different side of town. And that's fine. So then they go there. My brothers go to new school. It's fine. My little brother's adapting. My other brother, Casey's like, whatever. He drops out of school and no point. My mom doesn't care. She'll do whatever you want. So he drops out and he's doing his own thing and it's fine. And then my little brother, he's doing his own thing. He's doing all right. He's going through school. But then my mom, at this time, I'm like through high school and I'm making money and I'm doing what better with like, I started landscaping. And I'm like, and so I would always try to help out. Right. And she had a job. She did, you know, nursing and all this stuff. So my mom was fine, but she just, you know, people always live way too expensive or do stupid stuff. And same thing with my mom. She bought another house and then just kind of seven eight years later five years maybe six five to seven years later she's like losing that house I'm like why didn't you tell me we could have figured out i could have bought it like yeah. what's the deal so now my brothers don't have a house i'm like now you what are you gonna do so i'm like you guys all need to leave and this is crazy because at this point i had graduated junior college because i was going to leave to go to school in arizona for track and i didn't i stayed home and i i um i stayed home to work and finish what i was doing and then help support them and then I get ready to leave, and then all of this stuff goes on. I'm like, what the hell? And I remember just having conversations with my brother. I'm like, you've got to leave. You need to leave my mother, right? Because all these things are going to go on. It's just going to get worse. And then it just got crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it just snowballed after that all happened, you know? And it just got worse. But you know how people are. Was she in, was she in that, that trajectory prior to it happening? Sure. My mom probably would have gone that and way. Have you ever, have you ever, okay, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a different story. Well, I mean, because... And I love my mother. I still have a close right, relationship right, right, with her. Right, but at the end that. of the day, she was an alcoholic, you know. And and what's weird is like, I tell you, it's funny because this is the funniest part, right? So I experienced so much. Like I can see pill powers. I can see drunks. I could like come and I come to LA and you see people I'm like, oh, that person's an alcoholic. <laughs> and I can just see it. Or I'm like, oh, that person, you know, you pop pills. I can see it because I grew up around so much of this stuff that it's funny and you almost like you end up dating women like that, right? So I date. I'm like, oh, you're drunk. I can see it. But we'll have some fun, right? Because <laughs> you're like young and like whatever. You but it was so sad for me to leave. I hated to have to go, but I was like, I got to go do something with my life or I'm just going to be sucked into this chaos. And I remember telling my brother, I'm like, you got to get out of here. Like, I'm like, you have to leave. My other brother, Casey, left. Garrett didn't because, again, when I left my mom and I told her, I was like, I got to move out. She gave me the worst guilt trip I ever felt in my life. Like, I'm going to kill myself if you don't. I'm like, so you're going to throw that at me? Oh, so geez. that's how my mom would do stuff. And I'm like, come on. So you deal with all that. Was she latching on to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And did you guys speak about anything? You know, years later, we spoke about stuff. But uh, no, my mom's not one to, like, again, she doesn't. Are you one to speak about like, it? Like, I mean, I bring it up. Like, yeah. again, like, there's times that, like, 
would have a conversation and I go, look, mom, this is why, you know, because right now, like, let's say, for example, all this stuff that went on, then you have my mom and then this crazy stuff that she did. Then my brothers don't have a relationship with her. And I'm like, you wonder why. My sister doesn't really like you. You wonder why. Mm. I'm just trying to, like, I'm like the glue that keeps everyone together, right? And I always was. So, you know, and it is what it is. So I have to let a lot of that go. I'm like, you got to face reality. And so I had the conversations and she would, because she was like, why are your brothers not talking to me? Like, you want to know the truth? Here's why. You know, and she's like, it doesn't want to hear it because my mom would be in such blacked out rages at times. Dude, I could tell you some stories that are just like, it's insane. Yeah. You know, and you're like, but, you know, and I don't talk about that stuff or, you know, because you just like whatever. And you just don't want to get into it with people. But when you're a kid, you know, like now I don't care. But like when I was a kid, you know, my parent, my mom would just embarrass me all the time. It's just is what it is. So like you can't really embarrass me now. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I'm not going to get embarrassed yeah, you've by been it. through it. Yeah, I don't care. So wh what do you what do you pull from it? I'm saying because when you go through something at 11, you know, I feel like shit like that hits like affects us in ways that we don't even know sometimes. You know what I mean? So it, sure. What, what do you pull at this you point? You experience death. And so you're kind of like, what do you do? You know, what do you pull it, out of it? You know, for you, you had to pull up your bootstraps and just keep living. Like you had, you had no choice. You yeah. Know, you you got to go know. on. Cause what am I going to do? It's like, if, and here's my whole thing. It's like what I've, I've always tried to look outside myself and look down at scenarios. Right. And especially going through a lot of that, you, you know, I've been able to carp, Mentalize whatever that word is there, but mm -hmm. basically understand that and block, right? And I've had to like fix me because I saw these bad habits I picked up, right? Because you're like, wow. And you're like, I got to adjust this to, you know, and so you figure it out. So what's crazy is you look at that and you're like, well, if I don't understand and learn something from this or try to apply whatever or just get through it, I can't hold on to this. And a lot of people will hold on to that forever. You were making this 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 realizations at the time, or you're saying as you got older? No, as I got a little older, like okay. years later. Because then when I was on my own, my own, like when I first moved to LA, things got all screwed up. I had to live in my car for a short minute. So I was like, all right, whatever. So you either roll with it or you don't. And so my whole philosophy in life is like, I've always had a good outlook on life. I could either cry about a lot of things or I could figure them out, learn from it, and try to make something happen. And that's how I've always been. So all these experiences, I don't let them like drag me down. I'm like it's life. What am I going to do? I can't do it. It's like everyone complains about life. I'm like, well, everyone's got a hard one. I don't know your situation. You don't know mine, but we can all try to get along and figure stuff out. And I try to just think about it like that. And if I do that, I get through a lot and it's easy. How do you, you know? think you come to that realization? Is there something you think you just learned from your own actions? Were you ever shown the way at some point? Because to, to do that at 11 and then make these points that you're making now, did you like, at what point did you figure that out? You know what I mean? Just to to keep going like well that. i think there's a combination right so one thing is when i had to move in my father it was good to have my dad my real dad back in my life he was much more encouraging and much more of a positive person so it was great to have that and what was funny is like if i got punished and i got in trouble my parents you know you can spank me do whatever it's not going to really phase me but my parents would make me my dad would make me like pick a topic out of the dictionary and now you got 10 minutes I want to give you, now you got to give a seven minute speech to the family. Like, all right, great. Oh, that's interesting so like, tactic. that's how my dad would like punish us. Right. And so you'd learn all these things, but then he would also push you like you're a leader. Don't be a follower. Right. So I'm like, all right. So I always kind of had that pushed on me a little bit when I was younger, but even before then, I just think that like what's crazy. And I think it also started at a very young age because my father was around until I was a kid four or five and he was always encouraging and like something would happen. Like I said, one time this kid stole my scooter and my dad's like, I don't think he's coming back. I'm like, what do I do? He goes, well, you better go beat him up, right? Okay. And I'm like, all right, because he's like, either you got to take what's yours or don't. And I'm like, all right, so I beat the kid up. I'm like, this is my scooter. Don't take it. And I couldn't have been but like five, right? You well, know? There you go. Shit. Yeah. I wonder why you're fucking taking... 
Taking the bull by the horns at 11. You're beating kids up for scooters at five. Well, you're like, yeah, you know, you're like, that's mine. I'm like, what do you want me to do, right? Yeah, you know? well, so, that's, and that's that like, says I, a lot. And I'm not going to lie. I'm telling my daughter the same thing. I'm yeah. like, look, that's yours. Tell him it's yours. And if he gives you a hard time, push him down. Like, take it back. It's funny you say that because my, one of my best friends uh, sent me like a video of me, him, and his brother at like my fifth birthday. And I overhear my mom talking to Chris, who's one of the other kid, little kids in the video. And he was like complaining about oh some kid was like bullying him or something. And mom's like, "What'd you do? Did you better hit him back?" Yeah, <laughs> so right. Kind of similar to like the but same. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. You grew up in the '80s or in the different 90s. Times, right? it was different times, right? It was a different time. But like now, everyone's so sugar coated and sissies. You're like, dude, come on, like this is it's just life. Yeah, and it's inter- it's, it's interesting to think that if you didn't have those lessons, that maybe your dad seemingly perhaps has a he big was influence. a big part in the sense of the influence. But like I was gonna say, what was coming up is so I played sports when I was really young. I played soccer. I'd say my stepdad probably got me into soccer, right? And I always enjoyed it. But it was funny, I was really good at it when I was young because I was fast. And I remember like we lived on the edge of town. And funny enough, my address was 3436 Elm Street. Like Freddy Krueger was hilarious, right? So (laughs) we're like on the edge of town. And then the fields that I played on were like maybe six miles away. They weren't too bad, right? And what was crazy is I'd get dropped off at soccer practice or baseball practice, whatever. And I'd get left almost every time. Like no one would pick me up. No oh man, that was you. So I, yeah, that was me. <laughs> that's dude. Sad. that's no not funny, but it's like you're like that's like I see that like every movie. That's, yeah, that's like seriously, really sad. Seriously, like that's I'm not, like, uh, yeah, and like, and funny. mind you, I could I could literally remember this like it was crazy. And I'm like, I'd be at soccer practice and like, and like Jerry, my coach. And reason I got good at sports is because I get left all the time. So I might as well just practice. So I'd sit there and practice for yeah. hours, hoping someone come get me, thinking trying to be like, all right, maybe my mom would get me, but no, she got drunk and forgot. That's interesting. So if anyone's listening, you have a kid that wants to become an athlete, don't pick him up and practice. There you go. have to practice more. And wow, it's kind of genius. And here's what's wild is then I would just run home. So I got good at running and getting fast at it because I was like, screw this. I got to run home. So I would jog home, like literally like, you know, and I'm telling you, this didn't happen just in elementary school, like middle school. I'm like, hey, I need to ride home or something. High school. I'm just going to walk home, whatever. But it's kind of a segue here, um, but we, we mentioned it before. I want this might be a good time to bring it up that you got you got sick, and the sure. reason I'm bringing it up is because you being in shape kind of like saved saved you in some sense. Well, yeah, I mean, since it's just like it's like what you were talking about for your whole point to circle it back is like I got left at all this stuff, and it was like whatever for me. I just deal with it. I'd get home, so it's like either I could sit there and cry and be like, oh poor me. My thought was like, I know how to get home. I'll figure it out. I get left. 10 miles from home, I'll figure it out, right? And I just figured it out. That's how you do things today, I feel like. Exactly. In a lot of ways, I mean, I'm more structured and planned, right, right, but at right, the end right. of the day, it's like something thrown at me, okay, because, you know, the, you know, to get successful, you got to be able to fall, figure out solutions to problems. So for me, it was like, whatever. I was like, this is, is what it is. And like, I mean, it's crazy because like my friends, you know, when I transferred schools, I went to a much nicer school and all my friends there, you know, were much upper middle class. I grew up in a trailer, so I'm like, whatever, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. And we were all good friends, but... I remember coming home from practice and like I was running home from like clear across the other side of town and my basketball out gear still and they already were home coming back out and doing something else and I'm almost home and they're like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'll oh, just go home for a jog. I'm like, yeah, I'm in my still gear, bro. Like, yeah. you think I'm going for a jog? Damn, good but, for you, man. Yeah, and so I think all that comes into it. But then again, you know, and that's what got me to LA too is I was coming to finish school and run and do all these other things. And yeah, man, I lived in LA and then you have this stress of LA, which is hilarious, you know? And I was... I was fine. I was figuring out, getting it all done, trying to do my thing. And, you know, I don't know how this all came about. I really don't know other than the fact that maybe stress from that experience in my childhood, the craziness that I grew up, how it is, and then a little stress as I got a little older, maybe contributed to the fact that that came out years later, right? Maybe it manifests inside me because if you look at how 
being sick, what he's referring to is I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So finding all that out, I think, you know, you find out that cancer cells are inside each individual, but they have the magnitude to this crazy amount for them to be something that they can spot. So over stress over life can probably cause that. And that's kind of how I had the conversation with my doctors. Like, look, I have no weird diseases. My family doesn't. I'm insanely in shape right now. Like all these things, I'm like, this has to be some strange fluke. And how that came about was just, it was just wild. But if I wasn't persistent, I probably wouldn't be here today. Because the thing is, I caught it at going into stage two. And I was just persistent. I was like, you got to be kidding me, right? So I'm like running track. I'm really in great shape because I was a sprinter. And at the end of the day, I'm working out all day long, six hours a day, practice, where it's so all I was doing, right? That's what I was doing for the time because I was young. And I was probably like 24, 25, somewhere in that ballpark. I was still training. And, you know, I'm 180 pounds. I'm just shredded out of my mind. And so doctors would look at me and tell me I'm fine. I'm like, well, that's not really telling me anything. And I go, I was just tired all the time. I'd go to practice, sleep 14 hours, right? And then I remember I was dating this girl at the time. And, you know, you'd go through these things. And she's like, why are you still at my house? Why are you tired? I'm like, dude, I can't move. I'm just exhausted. And I'd have all these issues. And I started noticing things. And I'd like, you know, I'd bite my lip. It wouldn't heal. Or I'd have night sweats. And I'd just go to like specialists. I'd go to, you know, cedars. I'd go to all these other different specialists. I'm like, can you do blood work? And like, again, I was young, so I had really terrible insurance. So I'd get stuck with these bills, so I wouldn't get results. And I'm like, well, I can't afford to pay this. Can you just give me the information? So they would just, it was just fall on deaf ears, you know? And I went to the free clinic on Hollywood Boulevard. I think it's still there today. It's hilarious. I literally was driving and I was like, oh, free clinic. I was pulling here, right? So I pull in. I'm like, hey, can you do my blood work? And he was like, sure. So we do my blood work. He's like, I'll call you in a week. Calls me. He's like, you should come back in. I'm like, all right, can you tell me the first? No, I, I need to meet you in person. So I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to die. Oh, no. You know, okay. I'm like laughing at myself. But at the end of the day, I didn't think twice about it. So I get there and he talks to me. He goes, you have, you have like zero white blood cells. I'm like, that's so the free clinic. And then yeah, the, ones the free found clinic. It. I, and it's weird because, you know, and it, it gave me a scary sight inside of like how the medical industry works, where, again, obviously it's like the legal system. It's not justice. It's it's what it's green. Same as medical. Right. You don't need help. You need green. It's all about money. It's because it's been structured that way. And it's sad, but it is what it is, right? So I was like, all right. So the guy goes, I go, ah, what do I do? Because I asked him, I'm like, I, what do I do with this? He goes, well, you should go to the ER. And I'm like, all right, where do I go? He said, well, I have a friend at USC Medical. You should go down there. So I go down there. I meet with them. They get me through the process and I get my insurance. And they come back and I'm like, yeah, your insurance is not going to cover anything. So it's like, all right, well, what do I got to do? He's like, well, you can pay for it out of pocket. I'm like, well, I can't do that. Can I just say, and he's like, well, it's just going to be really expensive. And I was like, well, I can't do that. And he goes, well, the county hospital is across the street. So I go to the county hospital and you talk about seeing night and day, like nice hospital, USC <sighs> medical, got your own room. Nice. Everyone's nice. You go over here. It's chaos. And you have to figure it out on your own. Like, you're like, here you go. Good luck. Here's a panel. Good luck. Hey, here's the doctors. Yeah, here's exactly. The it's like, here you go. Here, here's a, here's a map, figure it out. And that's kind of how it's structured there. Now, the doctors and the people who work there, amazing. The nurses, great. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's overloaded because it's a free situation. You know, you have to go through the state. Um, so I get omitted through the ER. That was a 24-hour window. I mean, but that's crazy to see that ER. You got all kinds of crazy stuff going on, you know? Dudes walking around with hatchets in their head. You never know. But it's hatchets just, yeah, I, it's crazy. It's who got let in first? You were the guy with the hatchet in his head. <laughs> you just have to get omitted. Like, and you yeah. got to go through their system. So I had to go through their system, and it was it was, it was was crazy. Um so once you get through that, it's not so bad, but you've got to then go through the process again. So you got to go through all these checkpoints and all these little back and forth and they got cards and whatnot. And once you get through the system, and, and the one thing I noticed is always be nice to people. 
it literally will get you through this problem faster. So I learned that at a young age, I was always polite, college, always polite to people. So I just kind of not manipulate, but bend the rule to get what I need done. Right. Yeah. So I figured you could do that very well. Um, and same thing in the hospital. So I get to know my nurses. I get to know the girls that would check in. I would do all this and I just kind of move through the process quick. So because if not, it's hours to go through their process. You're like, this is chaos. I mean, let alone that the first take you took, they told you you were fine. Yeah, it's terrible so it because, you know, they, yeah, and, and maybe they, you know, glanced at it and it seems semi-abnormal, but not that crazy. And they're just like, whatever, and they move on. And who knows what the process was. It was just terrible in the situation. And you look back at it now and I wish I would have documented it or something like that because it would have been a great story to like show. Because as I finally got admitted through the county, then you got to go through their insurance process. And, you know, I got denied on that, which was crazy. And so I had to kind of manipulate the forms for it to work. But then you get a, a two-year window. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. So I'll go through this process. Mind you, I'm not a big fan of, like, modern medicine. I think a lot of it's pushed on us in ways I don't think people need to pop half the pills they pop. I, I think that you can really heal yourself by just understanding it. And and I've always thought that. So for me to find out I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I laughed. I was like, this is a joke to me. And the story of me finding out is funny because – Going through that process of the ER um, with the uh, the doctors down there at USC Medical, they were just doing blood work on blood work on blood work, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. So they're like tearing up my veins. So they're like, all right, we got to do bone marrow. And like, I'm like, all right, fine. And they're like, well, it's very, very painful. And I'm like, all right. So I prepped for this painful situation, and I go there and get it, and it did suck. I mean, the pressure of them, they're like grinding your bone and your oh, back. God. Um, and so I go through all that, and then they get nothing out of it. They're like, well, maybe you have this weird disease. I'm like, no, that's not the case. And we go back and forth. I'm like, look, just keep checking. I'm telling them we'll figure it out. And so I'm like making calls to like John Hopkins and asking questions right at the time, other hospitals and, and whatnot, and just trying to see, because I'm like, oh, maybe this is a good hospital. And I had a friend that was like, you should talk to my friend who works here. So I, I gave them a call, and that's why I called them. And then I started just kind of researching on my own. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And then I go, look, I have like, I bit my lip, and it's not healing. And I went like this, and they go, okay, look up. And I look up, and like this lump just kind of popped out of my neck. And they're like, oh, well, that could be something. And mind you, I was young, and I would go through these processes, and I kept telling doctors, and they just kind of pushed me off because they really didn't trust what I was trying to say. But I was just persistent. It was probably three and a half months of me just pushing and doing blood work and testing and pushing. I'm like, just push. And I was pushing on them because they weren't very responsive. That's because so, you got to be the one that put They're fucking doctors. Yeah, right? So I'm like, this is ridiculous. But again, at the county, I get it. But even at USC, like in the, the way that even like the prior testing, like they just kind of like throw you through the system. And you're like, this is a joke. So I'm like, all right, you really got to pay attention. And then when I went to the county, I, they're overloaded. So I get it. But you get put through the the system. And so I'm like, all right, let's cut it open. And so they cut it open, and a week later they call me back in for the, the the results. I come back in, and they and the doctor tells me, he goes, well, Nathan, you have cancer. And I go, wow, that's no problem. He goes, what? And I go, at least it's not AIDS. I'll see you in three weeks to be <laughs> oh, cancer, God. right? And he laughed at me, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, literally was planning to go surfing that morning. And he's like, well, and I'm like, I'm going to go surf. He's like, I don't advise on it. I go, well, I'm sure you don't advise on a lot, but I'm going to do what I want to go do. And, you know, he's like, you shouldn't get in the waters. You shouldn't get out of the gym. I'm like, well, that's my life. I'm going to go enjoy myself. And I'm not going to stop doing these things just because you think that it's unsafe for me. I was like, obviously, I've been fine now. And maybe it caught up to me, but I'm not going to just, you so know. So how bad was it? Like, well, what's crazy, so you have stages. You have one, two, three, right, four. Two. And luckily for me, I caught it going into stage two. So if I wasn't persistent, it probably just would have gone through my system. And I was in healthy enough shape that they were like, you fought this off probably for like a good year, year and a half. Like my body just kept fighting because I was resilient. I was working out. I wasn't going out drinking and things like that. I just was really taking care of myself and really trying to figure things out. 
And so I really just went through the process. And what was crazy, when I finally got admitted, you go to the 11th floor on, at that time was the 11th floor, it was just like chemo, like dead patients, you know, guys are just dying from chemo. Oh, and Yeah, it's crazy, right? And what's wild is like you go, and this is the polar opposites. You go to a regular hospital and you have good insurance. You have your own room, you can do it, it's privatized, it's comfortable. In the county, you go to the 11th floor and you go into a big room and there's a bunch of people getting hacked with freaking chemo and they're all just like on ports or however they're doing it and they're all in lazy chairs or in whatever chairs they got and they're just like two nurses tall and just bah, 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 going like crazy, Jeez. right? And it's nuts. And, you know, certain kind of drugs have to be emitted a certain way and then they have drips, right? So I was like, I don't want to do chemo. I don't really believe in it. I think it's kind of a whatever. And he goes, well, Nathan, for your kind of cancer, it's shown decent responses. So I was like, let me read on it. So I started buying books and reading and I figured how they look at numbers is like rubber numbers. So it's very skewed the way they look at it, you know? So you're like, that's not really a great chance the way they, the way they say it is. But when you really look at it, I'm like, dude, that's like one out of a hundred. That's not really a good option. Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. And so I was like, fine, I'll try it, right? And what's crazy is I did it and they did this thing. I can't even see, but like these little lines I have here, like it chemo burns, man. I got fried from the inside out. Like it burned so me. You it did, was, so you did go through it. I did it. I did it. Let's see. I did one and it <clears throat> fried me. And then I did another. And I was like, dude, I can't do this because they wanted me to do six months of chemo and then maybe radiation. I'm like, I'm not for this at all. So I had to go through the process for like a couple months. And so I did like two months of dealing with... Um, like a month and a half of dealing with stuff with them. And I was like, look, I'm over this because you guys are eating up my veins. This shit's annoying. Like this is an easier process. So I bought different books like Healing Cancer from Within. And mind you, I had a positive outlook. I knew I was going to beat this. It wasn't going to be an issue for me. I wasn't going to blink an eye at it. But I'd literally sit in a chair, get chemo, and there'd be a dude dying next to me because he's like a stage four and he's got a port and it's a mess. But this is what happens, right? Because of the system. And so I would go there and I'd go, all right, well, I'd go and buy books. I'm like, you should read this. You know, I try to be uplifting and I started reading and I was like, I was always pretty good on my diet. But then when you look into those things, you're like, wow, there's a big factor of way food can help shrink tumors. Why are they not telling me this thing? Why are they not telling me this? Why do they not tell me that? And so like I did chemo, mind you, I told my parents, I said, don't come out. I did it on my own. I had nobody here. I was all on my own. I had my Jeep, which I just got back, which was stolen. So I had no doors, no top. Did you beat that person up like a scooter? I didn't get to because I would have loved to, <laughs> but the cops were lazy and I found it just sitting over in a place. And so I got it back, but they had stripped a lot of it, whatever. And I could use it. I was like, I need a car, so I'll keep it. And they cut all the fuel lines, so I had to replace them all and all that. So mind you, I, I drive in the morning and a chemo would be like a four-hour session, right? You'd get there at like six in the morning. And you get omitted, you go through this process, and they'd start around like eight, and you're there till like noon, and you just feel like crap. So I'd get there in the morning, I'd freeze in the car, driving, you know, I'm like, all right, it's cold. And then I'd come back, and it'd be gridlock traffic, and I'd be just doped up on chemo, and I'd be like throwing up outside of my car. Mind you, just do it all on my own, because I'm like, I don't need a bunch of people around me like consoling me and being all like, oh, poor you, poor you, or whatever, sad for you. I'm like, that's not how I look at life. So I didn't want to be in that position. And my funny thing is like, my dad was like more... He was like, well, all right, son, do you need me to come out? And he's like, I'll fly it anyways for one weekend. I'm like, you don't have to do that. My mom, on the other hand, like, we didn't even skip a beat. She's like, yeah, you'll be fine. Like, and it's hilarious, but that's how, like, it you know. It seems a very, it seems a lot of consistency yeah, here so, with how you handled that same. Exactly. So, you know, and like I say, like, I growing up, I have, like, this crazy side for my mother and then my, my fun side for my father. Like, literally is how I kind of, like, pitch it. Yeah. And it's true. And so I just went through it and I dealt with it. And I would literally do that on a Friday. And then Saturday morning, I'd get up and I would literally go to practice and work out. And like you, can't. so you're still going to practice throughout all this. Well, I couldn't anymore. I had to like, I had to like kind of just retire from the, like trying to train and do all. That. I was like, let me just deal with all this. I'm just going to get out of it. And this is kind of like, 
the tail end of my career anyways of running and whatnot out here. So it was fine. It was not a big deal, you know? And so I was like, all right. And so I was dealing with it. I was going to say, my train of thought, so yeah, I would go work out. I'd go to practice and I'd do my workouts and I'd run and whatnot. And I'd feel amazing. I'm like, I'm going to sweat all this crap out. So that's what I would do. And then I like literally after like that first treatment, like I was like this. And they're like, wow, you responded to your body. Like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I figured a few things out. I don't really want to go through this process with you. But they like put me in like, you need to do a couple rounds. So I said, fine, that's it. So that's what I'll do. And so I did it and I beat it like this. But then I applied so much that I learned outside of it. Because if I didn't push on them, they would have never diagnosed. And right. if I didn't read to figure out how to kind of fast track some of this, they literally sitting there. And the nurses, I remember right now, she was a sweet lady, like a smart girl, like, you know, like amazing. Like, and my doctor was great. Like, I have no problem with how they helped me, but they're taught a weird system. And then like, she's overloaded with like patients and they're giving you junk food, you know, to get the taste out of your mouth, like suckers to suck on. I'm like, you know, sugar and junk is not very useful while you're getting chemo. It's terrible. Yeah. It's not something you should be doing, but a lot of these people don't have any money. So I'm like, look, and I tried so going there. I'm like, look, this is how you can cook at home much cheaper. So I would like write meal plans for them. Like, here's how you should do this. So this would probably be better for you. And I meet these little old ladies. I'm like, it's like your third time doing chemo. Like, Wait, so how, quick, how quick did you beat it? How long ago? Uh, how quick did it take you to actually get it out of your I was system? done. I was done. God, I mean, they wanted me to do six months. I was done under, like in three. Three months. I did it quick. But I had to go through checkups for six months with them. And then they wanted me to do it like a year later. But I, I knocked it out fast. I was just like, but I I, I I worked out. I did a lot of deep breathing, which I realized how it works in like enzymes that help break down toxins in your body. All these things that they could teach people. Now, I'm not blaming nurses and doctors because it's hard to probably explain it. But the way they structure is like, we're going to give you this. And then you're going to go home and feel like crap. And we're not going to tell you to be active. So you're going to feel like crap forever. And then you're never going to get over it. And you're going to die. So it's like, well, look, you're going to feel like, crap, go sweat this stuff out, learn how to breathe and understand how your body should work a little bit, clean up your diet if you need to, and then get through this much faster so it's not so heavy on the body. But they don't tell that to people. It sounds like coronavirus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the go. exact yeah. same thing they're telling us not to do. Yeah, exactly. It says, I'm no doctor, but you brought it up a little uh, but when you started the story uh, about your cancer, saying, like, how the hell could you get this? You're in the best shape of your life. You're young. You're healthy. And then you brought it up about, you know, maybe it could have been from stress. And it's, it's just how I'm just trying to put it all together. And like I said, I'm very far from a doctor. But you bring it up how, you know, you dealt with the stress when you were younger, 11, you got hives. And then who knows how the hell, you know, you were, it's crazy because you were handling it so with so much strength, just getting through your entire life, it seems like, which is like so impressive and admirable. But it's so crazy to see how you, out of all people, who was such in good shape and so healthy, ended up with cancer, but almost seems like the only reason that would even happen is due to stress, no? It has to be. That's my thought, right? It's my opinion and the things I've read makes sense, right? And then even the doctor, when I brought it up to him years later when we talked to him, he's like, yeah, it's probably what happened. And it's funny because my parents, and like, not my parents, but my sister and my brothers, they all make fun of me because like, hey, you're like the in shape one and like you got sick. I'm like, that's yeah. so strange, right? Yeah. So we laugh, but you know, and I can laugh at things because for me, I'm going to laugh at stuff. Like, and so I, I use laughter in a lot of ways. It's kind of like I was always a goofball growing up and just kind of was able to get around that dealing with the problems. Yeah, sometimes, it's healing you know? in some sense. I think. Exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, it just, it's how it all went down. So it was, it was pretty wild and crazy, but yeah, you know, you deal with things in your own way. And does that you make know, you think about how you dealt with it in the sense that like, we don't, we don't know the answer. And I'm thank God that you're okay. And you beat the shit out of that cancer, clearly, which is amazing. I had to. Is Give that, me that. And I, 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 don't, I don't think there's many things that anyone could put in front of Nathan Bishop that he won't beat the hell out of. Um, uh -huh. I have that strong feeling. But I'm just saying, does it make you think about how you were handling things and in general? Does that make you rethink? If if that really think, if you really think about the fact that, I don't know how much you believe that it was stress, but if you do believe that, does that make you think, rethink the way you were handling it? 
Yeah, to be honest with you, yes, because at the time, I could understand that stress would probably contribute, right? Just because of the way life was going and how things were. So it made sense, right, to me. And so in regards to that, I was like, all right, well, maybe I dealt with things wrong or I held stress differently, right? And so I read a lot about it and I figured out, like, again, that's why when we talked before, I was like, meditation's important. And I just think that getting rid of, like, the day's weight mm. is important. So at night to meditate, so, like, my wife and I, we currently love to just stretch and do yoga and like hip open, you know, hip exercise, just just to decompress from the day. And so yes. we've gotten into that rhythm very well. But before I did a lot of it and it's just great because you feel limber and you're able to move. And I still love to work out and do these things. And like I said, I'm pushing 40. So for me, I got two little ones. Well, one on the way here and a little one. But I like to Wait, be how old are you. I'm 37. I'll be 38 coming up. Jeez, I yeah. thought you were younger. That's crazy. Yeah, right. God, yeah. Do whatever you're doing. Get some good keep, Botox, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> do whatever you're doing. Keep doing it. Uh but yeah, so I like to stay limber. So for me, I want to be able to like do backflips with my kids and stupid stuff like that. So right. for me, I love it. And so I was like, years later when all that happened, I was like, you know, I got to deal with things different. I was like, maybe I'm on the wrong path, right? So I was going down the wrong path or something along those lines is the way I looked at it. So I just kind of did a 180 from where I was direction I was heading, turned it, learned to meditate more, deep breathe and just let it out, right. decompress from like the day. And really, that's just a, a huge benefit. I do it a lot, like throughout the day. I'll just like couple, couple deep breaths and just kind of let it out. Like, all right, cool, rock and roll. So that's beautiful because the way you told the story earlier, the way you were telling you're dealing with the suicide of your stepdad, even leading up to your cancer, it did sound like to me. I wasn't making any assumptions. It just did sound like you know you were just took it bull by the horns and kept moving forward. And you did a hell of a job, but you also like you you know I felt like you sounded like you left a lot in. And it's amazing to see you now making that shift and before you when you first started telling me the story about your lymphoma you're saying like you weren't so much phased by it but it's in some sense it, it seems like that is that what you learned this is the release factor of like letting things you out know, a little I, bit it's weird because you know in, it's it's tough to say man i yeah. really just think it's a culmination of everything and like all right for me to kind of move forward i got to be able to deal with things differently and i can deal with a lot it's not a problem it's just how do i handle it and let it out if i need to let it out or whatever the case is and like i'm still not a you know, I'm an emotional guy in certain ways, but like my wife's funny because she's like, you're not as vulnerable as you should be. I'm like, well, it's just not, <laughs> I, I wasn't raised that way and mm -hmm, yeah. I don't really care to show my feelings in that vulnerable position. But when I am, it's a very powerful thing, but I just don't do it often because it's something I don't think is something I need to do. Uh, but yeah, it's tough because you you just have to kind of figure out how to go about it. And, and well, what, made you make it. That, what made you make that shift of thinking, I need to let things out? Just process of going through that. I was like, dude, if I'm going to make it through all this, I was like, I got to figure this out. Like if I'm going to continue my life in this direction or just continue life forward, I got to be able to not deal with, I got to be able to figure out how stress works in the body. And, and it's true. Everyone has it. And, it, and it's a huge factor, uh, factor in stress related like illnesses. You right, know, like yeah. just take Corona, like look at the cases if people being stuck in the house, suicide's gone up tremendously, like alcoholism is going up, like all these things go up. And it's the stress that's pounded on you. And so you're like, you got to learn how to deal with that. Yeah, stress is the and real fucking tough. killer. Yeah, it's a, it's a brutal thing. Damn, man. Well, it, it's, it's a good, it's it's really cool to see you evolve like that, like I said, because it's the way, you know, you just kept moving forward, but also did seem like you were suppressing a lot. Just from hearing sure, a little no, bit. I agree, it did. right? Like, it's so true. It's like, I had to be doing yeah, it. The hives, point, the, the cancer, I don't know. But maybe, I, I mean, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't because I never I really was, it wasn't like I was never an open book. I'm like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um. But again, it probably was a contributing factor of all of it. It just culminated, you know, into my 20s, you know? And that's just kind of, I think that's how it goes. Your, your body's so efficient and works so well that it can beat so much efficiently 
But as soon as something overtakes that, just that one extra nut, that little that little button or whatever, it literally then becomes, okay, now it's the downward turn, right? It's just like the slight edge of life. Yeah. You could eat fast food your entire life, but you're fine. And then you hit your mid-30s, your 40s, oh, slight edge of life. But you could eat clean or focus on the mundane that gets you forward every day, but correctly. And then you have the slight edge that goes up, right? So it's just a condition of how it goes in life. So that's how you have to look at it, I think. So again, you could go up or you could go down. It just depends. But you can go down and come back up. Yeah, as you could do you, the opposite. It just depends yeah. what you want to do. Seemed like you were just consistently going up at the time for a moment. Yeah. For a moment. <laughs> <laughs> you got a beautiful baby right now. You got another one coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. About two, maybe three weeks out. So I'm glad I got this in before. You're never gonna have any more sleep. You're never yeah. gonna do that. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I figured. I mean, you know. You run a ship. You th- my kid, my daughter. I make her do her chores. She's yeah. twenty seven months. Pick it up. Yeah, hopefully like, no. You can run to mom, but it ain't happening. I hope no so, one takes her scooter because I feel like she's gonna kick some ass. She'll learn Krav Maga <clears> soon <throat> enough. She'll go into Krav. No man, listen. I'm uh, I'm happy you 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 beat the the hell out of the cancer and uh, you know you did all you did to be here today because it's a hell of a story. I appreciate it, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here, brother. Thanks, man. Um, thanks for having me on, man. It's yeah, a pleasure. Nathan Bishop, and I don't know if you want to drop your Instagram handle. I need a way to contact you. If you like know that. what? Is I don't it, really IG it up like crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can just fo- tag me off, off David. That's there we it, go. Yeah. We'll figure it out. But uh, yeah. once again, guys, Nathan Bishop, hell of a story. I think we all have a lot to learn from that. And uh, there we go. Another one down. Another episode of Dead Talks. If you like what we're doing here, like, subscribe, share, all that uh, social things. And uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.